<sighs> healing my femininity meant I had to heal from the fact that the women in my life were enablers. It meant I had to heal from covert narcissism. It meant I had to heal from emotional enmeshment. I didn't trust feminine energy because it nearly killed me several fucking times. Mean girls and rape apologists, manipulation, grimy villain hoes, emotional dumping, enmeshment, all the times women or so-called fucking nice guys have harmed me or others. Toxic passivity and emotional irre-fucking-sponsibility all under the guise of being more feminine. So, what happens to accountability when marginalization becomes weaponized and any form of genuine critique is taken as a personal attack? Autism is something that was apparent on my dad's side of the family. And I bring that up because I'm starting to wonder whether or not my father was autistic. Um, why is that important? Well, one, I am. And I know that it is something that is genetic. And as I mentioned three seconds ago, it is something that is... Um, that exists within my dad's side of the family. And why does that matter? Why is it important? Well, I've been struggling with my feelings about my dad. I've been struggling with just so many, so many ideas and questions that I have for my dad who passed away when I was younger from cancer. And for... A while now, I've been kind of bitter and upset with my dad, wondering how he could have loved and, you know, chosen and loved a woman like my mother, who I watched destroy men emotionally, rip into their hearts, shred them apart, and break them down spiritually all the things she had done to me and I blamed my dad for choosing her as a partner and then praying to God specifically for a daughter I guess my dad wanted to be a girl dad and then you know here I am and you know he loves me adores me and then eventually you know goes bye-bye and I'm not so much upset <laughs> I can't blame him for having cancer, but I felt like he kind of set me up for failure in his choice of partner, and I blamed him, and I was so upset with him. As much as I was mad at my mom, I was like, well, if my dad chose her, that means he was superficial, and he didn't make smart decisions, and it's his fault, and he ain't shit, and I hate him for it. But then, with the information of, you know, autism in men or neurodivergence, 
within within men and the fact that that exists on my dad's side of the family, the fact that I myself am neurodivergent, it made me look at the situation a bit different to say, was my dad someone who was also a victim or a survivor of my mother? And was he someone who was also vulnerable and easier to manipulate because he was neurodivergent or possibly autistic or, you know, things like this. And it made me really look at the trend and unpack the amount of neurodiverse men who have been, you know, personally, spiritually, emotionally, mentally harmed by women who were emotionally abusive, manipulative, and covert narcissistic. And yeah, that's what we're going to talk about in this episode today. We're going to talk about toxic femininity and the way it shows up in the world, the way it shows up in either gender, what creates it, and, you know, just different examples of it in people and women and men and society. And how we, especially as neurodivergent people, especially as neurodiverse women, how we can reclaim our own sense of safety and security within our vulnerability and within our natural feminine energy that is ours that we possess naturally and not something that we have to perform to manipulate people manipulate men manipulate the world and extract and you know suck out and leech resources from people with our feminine energy um something that is inherently ours in a beautiful way and how we can you know i guess process a lot of the rage and distrust that we've had with vulnerability because of these dynamics so this episode is going to be broken up into I think I want to do two parts um first I'm going to talk about the way that we see toxic femininity within um each gender construct as well as within the society um especially for marginalized people It's also important to acknowledge that two things can exist at the same time. So, so my dad's first experience with toxic femininity or masculinity was not with my mother. Big shocker there. Um, Yes, he's a Gen Xer. So, of course, those patterns existed within his family dynamic, starting with his emotionally enmeshing mother and sister, his only sister, Um, and the rest of his siblings were my uncles, but for the most part, the women in his life were quite, um, enmeshing and promoted loyalty in a really unhealthy way, which I experienced for myself. Um, but yeah, before my mama, his, my grandmother, his mom, my mama, before she was able to actually know my mother, she didn't like her. Um, she didn't know why she didn't like her yet, 
I promise you she would have stuck around like several years. Maybe she would have she would have had the chance to have an actual valid opinion as to why she didn't like my mother. But the reason she didn't like my mother was because she was too pretty. And no, this is not a projection. This is not something that my mother just said because everybody said Jessica Pitt. These words came out of my mama's mouth. And everybody just thought that was okay, I guess. But I guess being in a small town in East Texas, when you have the one guy that everybody is in love with and who's charming and who's charismatic and he's, you know, he was a power lifter. He was part of his community. Everyone loved him. You feel like you're entitled to him, even if he is your son, and you feel like you have to be the one to choose the kind of girls that he dates, and those girls need to somehow remind you of you so that you feel good enough. So, of course, my pretty-ass mother from the city, who was a cheerleader, an NFL cheerleader, professional dancer, no, 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 no. That bitch can't come in here. <laughs> so I guess this is what led to the conclusion that my father was superficial because I guess he thought he was doing something different by dating a woman like my mom who was very different from the women he was used to being around. And he felt like he, you know, had to move to another place, which I don't fucking blame him at all. He had to get the fuck up out of there, period. He had to get about that town. It was nothing there. It's, it's nothing there for you. Sorry. But, you know, <laughs> the thing I've noticed with, like, Gen Xers and, like, even, like, millennials, like, older millennials, they feel like if they change their behavior or the physical, you know, the physicality of things that they've seen, if they change the the kind of person that they date externally or if they change you know if they grew up in a in a dynamic where there was a single parent home and they felt like well I'm gonna I'm gonna get married they feel like because they changed the external you know of their circumstance that that somehow was gonna eradicate all the fucking cycles and the energy and it's like you didn't actually deal with the situation at hand energetically so, of course, you might have chosen my mom, who looks different and probably is from a different place and acts different, and she's probably a bit more high-maintenance, but she's still just as unhealthy as the women in your family. Now, due to their insecurities about their body, their geolocation and access they had my dad's family was very obsessed with humbling me when he passed away they wanted to get their hands on making sure that I was just like them and nothing like my mother however when I looked like my fucking mom and also garnered a lot of attention well I soon became the scapegoat of fucking course so not only did I have to deal with the physical abuse and violence from cousins, but also sexual abuse as well that started at the age of five. And this was abuse I was blamed for because I was just the fast hell girl who wanted attention. So, and, and it, 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 I won't get too deep into it, but it, it, it completely fucked up my sense of worthiness obviously, but also my relationship with my body because 
now when I look back at pictures of myself from then, I don't keep a lot, but when I find those that I do see, I recognize that I was very athletically built and I wasn't as skinny as they made me think I was. Like my, they used to pick apart my body and call me tapeworm because I used to eat a lot and they said that I didn't, it never went anywhere or stuff like that. I was pretty full. Like I've always had, I'm a Libra rising. I've always had like the, I guess hourglass shape, whether I lose my weight or gain it, that's just always been my figure. And it's not to brag, that's just my body. But because of that, like I, when I looked in the mirror, I didn't see my body for what it was. I saw this skeleton person undeserving of love. And eventually, especially in college, like I just, I wasn't myself. I wasn't dressing up as much. I wasn't doing my hair as much. I didn't take care of myself as much as far as like my looks. I was depressed. I was starving myself, you know, and eventually I looked exactly physically in my body how they projected onto me based on their relationship with their bodies. And I remember just taking fucking showers in the dark because I didn't want to look like at down at my body. Like, this is not my body. These are not my legs. These are not my thighs. I've never had a fucking thigh gap. Who the fuck is this person? It's like, it was like a... a fulfilling fucking prophecy that I had allowed to happen over my life from people who were fucking envious of my mother and then because they had access to me because my dad wasn't there to protect me and my mom just didn't want the responsibility or the pressure whenever she had it so it was great to just send me to them like I had to deal with that shit and I dealt with that shit and attracted situations like that consistently throughout my life with me feeling like I have to be less visible or less dynamic, less talented, less flashy, less in love with myself because other people who are insecure were going to, you know, be oppressed by it. If I'm actively participating in someone's harm, I understand that kind of pushback. But by me just showing up and being in my light, I don't feel like anybody has a fucking right to, to treat anybody like that. But anyway, so... That's just to scratch the surface of what that experience was like for me and how I'm still getting over that now by getting back into my body and, and reclaiming myself and, and showing up more. Um, but basically, if my dad had to deal with this shit, no wonder the thought of the rebellious thing to do was to date the pretty girl from far away. Or maybe, just maybe, he bought into my mother's facade again he's passed away and as much as I have a connection with my other guides and, and, and um, ancestors I don't know what it is but my dad's just quiet uh, as a spirit I don't feel him I don't I don't know I, whatever but it just makes me wonder like was my dad or it could be both he could have been someone neurodiverse who didn't feel enough, which there was no reason for him to not feel enough because he had everything, I guess, as far as like validation. But either way, 
Well, maybe he didn't. Shit, if if being too flashy and being if being the center of attention and being the star is a, is a crime in his family, then maybe maybe that wasn't the case. But either fucking way, he loved my mom, and. After he passed away, I had to deal with the aftermath of it. And and this is where I'm questioning what he went through because based on what I've seen other men go through. Now, granted, when my when my dad passed away, um, and even when my mom fell in love again and that guy passed away, the kind of dudes that she dated were different. And I'm not saying that that they deserve emotional abuse, but I'm just saying I don't know if there was a switch after the grief that she experienced or you know I I don't really know but as an impressionable vulnerable and parentified loyal child of course I was on the receiving end of my mother's manipulation and whatever else she had to dish out to people based on what she was going through and basically I was constantly reminded of the fact that being a parent to me was a lot considering she didn't want or like children And once I got older, noticing the various ways she liked to sabotage my independence or opportunities, for instance, hiding my father's money that was sent to me every month since his passing up until I turned 18, and I didn't fucking know about that until my grandmother snitched, or hiding my invitation to the National Society of High School Scholars, which, why? Refusing to teach me how to drive, refusing to allow me to work, um, attempting to sabotage me being in college, attempting to sabotage me staying in college. Like... All of these things that I dealt with, but I didn't entirely see her, like I didn't see her for who she was because it was all done in a very covert manner. It was all sneaky, it was manipulative, and the biggest thing I think that got me the most is whenever I would be upset or question, like does this woman even love me? When I would go out into the public and be around people she knew, they would talk about how much she brags about me and how much she talks about how proud she is of me and the whole mother bit that she put on. So for me as a child, it made me feel like, oh, maybe my mother just doesn't share her emotions and vulnerabilities in that way, which she didn't. So I just assumed that, you know, that just wasn't her thing, but she really does love me. Until as an adult, I realized, no, this was the performance she put on to the world, you know, and to people around her. So that anytime I was going through something or spoke out against her or whatever, I looked like the bad person. And I experienced that when I went to the fucking um, beauty salon and, you know, they were doing my hair. They've known me since I was a child, but they know my mother longer. And everybody in there act like kind of distant or they had like an attitude about me. Um, Once I had came back home from California, Cause whatever fucking story she told them about whatever. And it's just so interesting to watch her perform in front of people, meaning like to play this super like independent mom who's just trying to get by and all these other things and acting so sweet and so motivational. And like, I just want to be a coach to young girls and I want to be all these things. And, and she's encouraging the people around her and all these, like, you know what I'm saying? And then we leave and she's talking shit about these people. Or somebody invites us somewhere 
to their birthday party or something. And I'm super excited because I'm still falling in the trap of, oh, my mom's going to be super kind. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe she's just nicer when we get around other people. That's why I used to be myself around other people because I felt free to. But no, <clears throat> she's playing the game. And that's the thing about the double life. Like when this person is presenting themselves in two different ways, that causes you to present yourself in two different ways. So you start questioning if you're somehow the fraud because when you're out around people you feel safe with, you're being yourself. And then when you're at home with this person, you're the person that you are in survival. Like you're closed off or you're in your room or you're angry or you're, you know, all these things. So you're like, well, shit, am I being the fake person? And it's like, no, this is who you're forced to show up as because of this environment that you're in, especially when dealing with covert narcissism. So, yeah, it's like if somebody invited us somewhere and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's so kind. And my mom's being nice to their face. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to go, blah, blah, blah. And then we get in the car and we pull off and she throws the invitation in the trash or she like, you know, tucks it away in her purse. I'm like, oh, so we're going to go. Girl, ain't nobody doing all that. Oh, girl, we ain't finna do all that. Whatever, fuck all that. And I'm like, but I just, you know what I'm saying? And I still, I still didn't quite, like I, I knew something was fucked up. <laughs> but I didn't know covert narcissism. I didn't know it was abuse. After all the men, I watched her rip to shreds and make feel like nothing. The men that she would love one day and the next treat like they were completely complete and other shit. And for people who have fearful avoidant attachment styles, I know it can be confusing to notice the difference between a person who's intentionally being harmful and a person who's just genuinely scared so they don't trust yet. So they're just like, you know, they're just trying to see like, okay, what's about to happen to me? And that can be diff difficult when you're dealing with people who, you know, have fearful avoidant attachment styles or who are even autistic, you know, because it can seem like, oh, what is this push and pull? Or I don't know their emotions today, or I don't entirely know what they feel because a person's in like survival and they're just trying to learn you. And they're like, oh shit, I don't, I don't know if this person's going to hurt me. I don't know if this person is a safe space. Let me just let me just watch them from afar a little bit and that can seem like they're withholding, but you know, or if they're just not fully there yet and they don't wanna lead you on, it can seem like they're withholding, especially if you've dealt with covert narcissism, which I'm doing a post on that later that talks about the girls who try to emulate the manic pixie dream girl fantasy, as opposed to the girls who are actually, you know, the women who are actually autistic and are not playing fucking games with you. Um, but basically, with all this behavior within my mom, I don't, I didn't fucking notice. I didn't have the, the, the knowledge about covert narcissism. You know, I knew I didn't like the way it felt. I knew I didn't like seeing her treat these men this way. I knew that, you know, it, it, it made me feel. I don't want to say unsafe because I never felt like I was a weak person. But being emotionally unsafe is still a sense of insecurity or a lack of stability and security. And due to these dynamics, due to the way I saw my mom treatment, due to the way I saw my grandmother treatment, due to the way I saw my aunt treatment, um, she was someone who was very manipulative and used men and she 
was an escort and you know before anybody talks about like oh shaming sex workers that like I'm still gonna be fucking honest about fucking manipulation and abuse I don't give a fuck if people want to claim certain movements to justify fucked up behavior or whatever the fuck like I'm this is not the space for that anybody can be held accountable I don't give a fuck if people decide that they want to conveniently you know weaponize their marginalization to to excuse fucked up behavior I grew up behind the scenes being groomed by men and women alike in in these kind of dynamics so the shit that I that I critique is not from outside looking in it's from being very fucking real about what the fuck is going in going on around certain people and in certain spaces and in certain industries so I'm not fucking this if I don't sound woke I don't give a fuck I'm gonna be honest but we'll get into more of those kind of dynamics in the next episode. But basically, I because of these dynamics that I saw, it made me afraid to defend myself. And, you know, it made me afraid to fight, you know, for what was right, you know, or justice, unless I was fighting for somebody else. And when it came to myself, it made me not want to speak up because I felt like, oh, where am I being abusive? Editing Desi here. I want to add to that. I want to say that that is exactly how people shame you out of holding them accountable as well. And that's how I ended up in the relationship that I did with the partner, a guy partner who was extremely psychologically, emotionally, spiritually fucking damaging. And I did not know about covert narcissism or abuse until... After my experience with this person, after being placed into a fucking hospital, um, mental hospital um, during this relationship, and the therapist telling me, you are in an abusive relationship and you have been in an abusive relationship for a very long time, starting with your family. And I just want to talk about some of the things that some of the, I guess, characteristics that you may experience within covert narcissism or feminine abuse, um, toxic feminine abuse. And for this particular guy, which I think is important to talk about um, how, how it shows up in men, it was someone who, you know, could have easily fooled anyone to be like a kind of man like my dad. Charming, very kind, um, or nice, rather nice guy, and gentle. And the way he was around other women was like super soft and sweet and charismatic, the nice guy. You know, he was the president of a notorious D9 fraternity However, instead of being like, you know, the other, not, the other frat guys, like he was not like the other guys or whatever, he was nice and gentle and delicate and innocent. And in front of everyone, he was just a super like sweet guy who was not like the other frat dudes. And no one would ever notice or believe you if, if he was a, a harmful person, you know? And it's like, it was that exact thing that kind of made me trust him more. You know, even though in the beginning, I wasn't looking for something. I wasn't looking to be involved with anyone or anything like that. But it was kind of this energy of, 
oh, well, you need to let me in because, you know, you're going to look like the angry black girl or in so in, in very kind words, he made it seem like I would be like a black woman in a Tyler Perry film who was mean to the nice guys if I didn't let him have access to me. And he didn't say those exact words, but it's the way that he presented it to me and turned it on to me to make me feel like somehow I was hurting him or harming him or being a stereotype if I didn't let him have access to me. And so me being someone, not at the time having the term to understand being ace or on the asexual spectrum, being sapiosexual and, you know, not completely aromantic, but just not experiencing romantic feelings in the way that people you know, allosexuals or neurotypical people probably do. Like for me, it's not something, I'm very practical. So, but then not having that information about myself, I just kind of let somebody tell me that I was broken somehow and that if I didn't open up to them in the way that they felt that I should, then I was hurting them. So I was like, okay, I open up to it. And he had really vulnerable parts of me and he used all of those, you know, all of those things to get me, all the things that I went through, being a girl from the hood and how I was treated like some hood rat, being someone who was treated like, you know, an angry black woman if I had meltdowns or if I was super honest, like, oh, you're abrasive, you know? And I'm sure like other neurodiverse people, especially autistic people, women especially have experienced this, but like when you are a black woman and like people don't see you as someone who is vulnerable or sensitive or possibly neurodiverse, you know, it's like, no, you're just a bitch, right? So all those things that I feared being that caused me to be a people pleaser while seeing abuse around me, seeing women abuse men, men abuse women, it made me feel like, well, I don't wanna hurt anybody. So I'm just gonna be the people pleaser. I'm just gonna be vulnerable. I'm gonna be all these things or whatever. And it made it easy to groom me. And I was already used to being groomed. So any time that he did something or said something that felt off and I would be honest about it or any time he would kind of seem to like give and then withhold and I would say, hey, I just felt this way and I don't know what's going on here or if this is your intentions. And I would be really calm and saying it. And I would, you know, because I know people be like, well, how did you say it? Did you curse anybody out? Did you because I'm at that point in my life now where I would curse you the fuck out and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being crazy. Okay, I don't give a fuck if you're going to try to use that against me. Like, oh, she's crazy, everybody. No, bitch, I'm not crazy. I'm fucking loony. But anyways, back then, it was like I didn't, I didn't want to be crazy. I didn't want to seem crazy or, you know what? So I was just like communicating like, hey, I, I'm experiencing this or I'm feeling this. But of course, he turned it on me and he was like, oh my gosh, like, I just feel like, I felt kind of concerned and a little worried for my safety. Like, I didn't know if you were gonna like fight me or something, or like, if you were gonna like, I don't know if you had weapons and you were gonna hurt me. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to like blow you off or, or, or like anything. I'm just saying like, I was really concerned for my safety. And that was the quickest way to shut me up. Because if everybody is already treating me like the abrasive one or the angry black girl, you know, and being like autistic and not knowing it, if everybody's already treating me like that person and expecting that out of me, I'm already vulnerable 
to being scrutinized or not believed, which is something I already dealt with within my family. If I ever defended myself rightfully so, it made it easier for people to paint the narrative that I was the one who was acting out. And that's what covert narcissism does. That's what toxic feminine energy does. It, it plays on power dynamics in a way where it creates this false victim where if it can get you to look hyper-masculine, if everybody's so anti-masculine energy or hyper-masculine energy, and if people are used to being abused by hyper-masculine energy, um, sorry, not hyper-masculine energy, but toxic masculine energy, if people are used to being harmed by it, and then they can get you to look like the person who's being toxic masculine or as a black woman hyper-masculine or all these things, then it's then it, it's easier for you to look like the aggressor and them to look like the one who's being victimized because they know what the fuck they're doing. And um, editing Desi here again, I actually just wanted to hop in and suggest a YouTube video I saw that talks about a little bit more of this. It's called How Trans Men Expose Female Privilege by Anna Akana. And I don't know. It was interesting, and I thought a lot of the things that she discussed were pretty obvious, so it's sad that it took a trans man to talk about these things or to get people to understand them, but yeah, y'all should go check it out. I'm going to link it in the description. And here's why that's dangerous when it's men who do this. It's dangerous, especially dangerous when, when women do this, but here's why it's dangerous when men do it. Because the bar for men is in hell or has been or just a myth, probably didn't exist because the bar for men was so low or non-existent a guy who was nice at the bare fucking minimum especially if you're a woman especially if you're a black woman and the world's telling you ain't shit and then some guy shows up and he's like protect black women black a black woman is breathing today and deserves to breathe black women are human like breaking fucking news right but if he fuck if if women are used to like being told that they ain't shit for their skin tone or their bodies or whatever the fuck and then some dude shows up and he's affirming them the bar isn't that fucking high okay it's not so now these bitches finally feel seen sorry not sorry that's just what it is people are starting to feel seen people are starting to feel heard so now there is an illusion that's been created and if you should bring your fucking bitter ass and shatter these illusions you know what I'm saying? Then it's like, okay, we're not going to believe you because I would rather believe in, in the idea that I'm validated than to believe that this person is manipulating me. And that doesn't mean that every guy who's an advocate or an ally is is lying, you know what I'm saying? Or, or just, you know, saying it for social positioning. But this particular person was, and a lot of people do this, especially, like I said, if the bar is that fucking low, like a president holding taking pictures with babies or a man taking pictures with puppies, like that kind of emotional manipulation and social positioning is what covert narcissists use. So if they can look like the dream guy and for the girls who fake the manic pixie dream girls, not actual autistic women, but those who try to emulate the behaviors of autistic women to live out the dream girl fantasy that they often are exposed to in the media then they will try to be the dream girl they will try to be that woman they will be performative in their feminine attributes that's why all these fucking coaches talking about how to be more feminine and all the performance of it all bitch 
Fuck your performance. Your relationships suck because everything is a fucking performance. But an example of this may be very specifically one that happened with my mother recently, like a few months ago. My mother hates cats. And for the longest time, I thought I hate cats because my mom just told me that they were evil and they wanted to kill me. And that's why they were always hovering around me. And she got nosebleeds because she's allergic and I'm allergic too. So I'm thinking, okay, cats are all these things, blah, 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 blah. And my child mind. But then that just carried with me into adulthood. Like, I'm just saying I don't like cats. And they keep fucking following me. And I'm like, what the fuck, bro? Why are these fucking, like, they want to kill me. Literally. Every time a cat come around me when I wasn't freaking out, or even when I was freaking out, when I just started to pay attention to the fact that these fucking animals, these kittens, they love me. Cats have always wanted to be around me. And I'm like, why did I think I fucking hate cats? But anyways, so there's a cat outside, and there's a woman yelling at a cat outside. And I didn't know she was yelling at a cat until my mother runs out of her room. And she's screaming. She's like, oh my gosh, this poor little baby. And I'm like, what the fuck? What happened? She's running to the kitchen. She grabs a can of canned um, salmon. She puts it on the plate. She runs outside. She's like, there's a kitten outside. I'm going to feed it, blah, 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 blah. And that little kid heart in me, who forget who, I forgot who I was dealing with, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm not asking the right questions like this bitch hate cats. I'm thinking, oh no, she's gonna help a cat. She's gonna come overcome her feelings about kittens. Oh, let me go and help her, blah, 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 blah. So I go and I grab a bowl of milk and I put, um, I grab a bowl and I put milk in it and I'm taking it outside and she's like, don't fucking give a fucking cat milk, it's gonna stir. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm trying to figure out, like, wait, I thought we were helping the cat. And she just seems so worried about this cat and upset about the woman hurting the cat. And then I hear a voice. And she has her phone in her hand and it's placed down on her shoulder. And it's a man on FaceTime. And he's like, babe, did you save the cat? What was going on? What happened? And then I realized she's at it again. She's doing the performance because there's a man who's new and so she's that's her thing so all the times that I felt like oh my mom really does love me when I was a kid when she was putting on the performance was because I was the kitten metaphorically then so you're putting on this energy this facade that you love kids or not that you love kids but like that you're just this single mom who's getting by and she's, 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 she's on her shit and she's doing the best she gotta do. So these fucking, I almost said another word, these men can show up like, oh yeah, let me save her. Let me, she's, she's a mother, she's a single mom and she's, she's grinding by herself. Let me save her, right? The dudes who need to feel fucking needed, who never felt needed, or they were probably emotionally enmeshed with their mothers, like my dad, who had a single mother and has a soft spot for single fucking mothers, for men who have mothers who are caregivers or whatever the fuck. They have soft spots for women who seem like they're caring and, and motherly and all these things. So this bitch putting on the whole fucking show here and I'm watching it happen. 
Meanwhile, she putting the fucking phone down or muting his ass to cuss me out about trying to actually feed the fucking kitten. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This is social positioning. Playing the role. Playing the part. And like we see in the films how, how guys will do this to women. Like acting like they're the smart guy or the romantic guy or the poetic guy. Or writes poetry so that the girl likes him and he bags her. Is like what they would say in the fucking shows. This is the same shit. Social positioning is when a person knows how to play on the emotions. It's like fucking marketing. Which, being autistic and learning how to do marketing for myself and my own brand learning from neurotypical people it looks like just fucking blatantly lie but lie in a way that you can probably get away with it that they won't get that pissed off when they give you their money and I'm like but I don't want to do marketing like that because that's fucking lying so it's like you have to do all this shit and keep up and, and try to do the right fucking thing and it's like all the fucking right things that I try to do and stick within my code of ethics it seems to not push as much that doesn't mean I'm going to fold. It's just I'm noticing people's values and why it's so easy to manipulate people. Because if people feel fucking validated and fucking seen for all the wrong fucking reasons, even if you're fucking lying to them, then that's all it takes to fucking sell them. Or or they're just vulnerable. Like the men, like the men that my mom you know, came across and dated. And not all of them. Some of them were superficial as fuck and they were fucking full of shit too. I have no empathy for them. But I feel extreme empathy for the ones who were genuine, for the ones who were kind, for the ones that I genuinely fucking liked. And those were usually the ones who were being abused the most. And I look at them now as an adult and they are fucking flourishing. You know, some of them, they got, they in relationships and they're happy and beards connecting, looking moisturized and shit while my mom over here talking shit about their new girlfriend and and how she's she's not this or she's that or how she's fat and I'm like this bitch look happy and well fed on this boat that he got her on bitch and you're sick (laughs) cry about it so now I want to talk about the false victim dynamic within power dynamics and this this is this is if you've already noticed a pretty long episode so I might split this episode into two parts or you know you can just thug it out with me grab some snacks we here we thug it um but anyways i'm gonna talk about the false victim power dynamic which will then segue into the weaponized marginalization dynamic like subscribe and stay tuned for part two also emotional blackmail can look like well if you don't do this i'm going to tell that this happened And if you don't give me this, then I'm going to say that that happened. A goddess is a fucking goddess. And she's not trying to figure out what the human girls are doing to make men love them. That's not, that's the least of her fucking concern. And I don't want you to be protected or believed. I'm going to be evil to you, but sweeter to the people around you. So that if you are the one who speaks up or defends yourself, you look like the aggressor. I learned that she was emotionally blackmailing her mom's new, very sensitive and sincere, obviously oblivious husband for a new car. Lying to people who are genuine with you, not just people who sell you a fucking story because they want access to you and your resources. He took to the stage to take the mic from her, said what he said, all under the guise of defending a black woman.